We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, it's another Panther Ranch podcast. Vlad Harris here. It's Thursday. Getting close to the weekend. Obviously, one more day of this hell and we're done, thank God. Here in Houston. Traffic is so, so, you know, because people obviously on my feet get tired of hearing traffic reports. You know, God forbid if I take a break from uh, reporting the same shit everybody else does about about pit athletics, you know, to talk about, you know, local stuff. But teach its own. Anyways, it's 68 degrees here, so we're obviously temperatures are going down here, thank God, because. I'm getting tired of this 100 degree shit. It's fun for a while. I mean, of course, if it snows, I'm sure we'll get to it then. But here in Houston, it doesn't really snow much. If it does, it's for a day and whatever. Anyways, guys, some um, news that's come up. Uh, For one thing, Tyler Sear, the tight end, has announced he's transferred for personal reasons, much like Chris Clark. Who is a tight end? Transfer personal reasons. Then, of course, Travis Kuntz, the uh, commitment, uh, Juco commitment, one of the top Juco's for tight, especially for tight end. He decommits for personal reasons. So, you got three guys here. And pretty much personal reasons are the re- are, are you know the reasons they're leaving, which you know is very concerning. Now, in the case of Chris Clark, I don't think really it's so much the head coach or the uh, program itself was the issue. You got to realize this guy bounced around so many freaking times like a pinball. He was at UCLA. Then he decided to commit to Syracuse. Then, you know, out of a whim, he decides to decommit and come to pit. And next thing you know, he's gone. He plays a season. He goes rogue. All of a sudden, you know, he's a he's a Towson State. But, uh, you know, so I really don't really don't see his, you know, this whole trend that too concerning. I mean, the last two, sure. Clark, Clark, not so much because he kind of was a uh, flake to begin with. And he really wasn't even that good for his ranking indicated. He's a Towson. He really hasn't done much there either. So, whatever. 
But, uh, you know, Koontz was concerned about how they were using the tight ends, and Tyler Sear reports conflicting. Supposedly, he got in a heated argument with the staff over, over all of it, and other people are saying, no, that's not what really what happened, and a whole bunch of stuff. But obviously, the last game, he he screwed up on a blocking assignment, and plus, uh, he dropped a... Um, you know, he dropped the pass, a shovel pass. So, you know, he really, you know, you know, he really hasn't been lighting it on fire. But, of course, with a, a pa- with the passing game, the way it's been, I don't think it's going to be any, you know, good to begin with. So, you know, the way the passing game's been, he hasn't really had much of a chance anyway, so, well, well, the hell with it. So he's gone. But as far as Pitt goes, you know, we obviously lost a, um, had a big loss also yesterday where, uh, uh, starting linebacker Quentin Marginis is out for a season on a non-contact injury in practice, which kind of pisses you off because of all the injuries you can have, he was a key role, key personal in this defense, and on defense has pretty much been, well, not that not that overwhelming, to say the least, but he was one of their better performers, and of course he's hurt, and what's, what's really shitty is it's a non-contact injury, that's kind of like what, similar what happened to Sean Watson last year with Houston, he got, he, his was non-contact as well, but As Sean Jones pointed out when he did, you know, he did his radio show here, he played you know he played defense for the Oilers and Packers. Actually, was a really good player. Uh, he mentioned that um, probably with uh, Watson's probably with winning his, where Jen is too. A lot of times, those guys are hurt before these non-contact injuries happen. They're already hurt. And eventually, the bow is going to break, and well, that's what happened there. So he's out. He had a surgery, and it sucks because his senior campaign's over. He's halfway through the year, you know. And I guess now you just get healthy and prepare for the draft. That's all you can really do at this point. So this is the type of you know thing you don't want to lose as the season goes on with the way your defense has been because, you know, Pitt, you know, Pitt won this past game, but, you know, not a lot of Pitt's woes were solved. Although, to be fair, the defense, they were making some big stops at one point, and Pitt, obviously, the offense sputtered and couldn't throw the knockout punch. And so when you can't throw the knockout punch, well, you let the team back in the game, and that's what happened. So... We move on to um, Saturday's game. Pitt's going to Notre Dame to play, and obviously, people were talking about you know the well, the last times they were there, and it was you know when Paul Christ was there, and Pitt lost that game. 
thanks to a, um, you know, a lot of people, will, a lot of people do blame that pass interference call, which I, I get, but Pitt was up big in that game and had ample opportunities to put Notre Dame away and just didn't do it. I mean, they were up, they were, I mean, they were up, I think at least three scores and they pissed the, they pissed the lead away, which is what you can't do. And you can't put the game in the hands of the referees, which is what they did as well. Because because they were always rolling a favorite in our name, you know. That's what Jimmy Johnson once said. You know, when you were watching the uh, when they lost to Notre Dame back in the late '80s, and Jimmy showed the replay of what happened, and he said, "You can't put." He said, "See, you can't put the you can't put the game in the hands of the officials when you play in Notre Dame because that's what happens. They will always roll in favor of Notre Dame." And not, you know, other than blowing the lead, Pitt had, Pitt had opportunity to, to win the game in overtime because Notre Dame fumbled at the goal line. And, of course, Kevin Harper missed his field goals. I mean, Jesus. I mean, if there's every guy who was, I mean, we we harp on our special teams, but Kevin Harper was probably one of the most inconsistent kickers we've ever had. It was like the guy didn't care. He reminds me of, like, he reminded me of deck hockey players. The reason why I say this is because a lot of deck hockey players, I hate to throw deck hockey into this, they don't care. How, they don't care how accurate their slap shot is, as long as they can go twenty, you know, as long as they go ninety miles an hour. That's all they care about is the velocity of their slap shot. They don't give a shit about the accuracy, which is what Kevin Harper was like. They all talked about it, how strong his how, how strong his freaking leg was, but whenever he needed to make a fucking kick, he would he, he would shank shake the shit out of it. But man, he had a hell of a leg though. And yeah, he he blew a bunch of those freaking kicks. And yeah, that was a big one he blew. So I get that the uh pass interference We like to blame. But Pitt had a boatload of opportunities to win that game. So it, it, yeah, sure it, it, that pass interference turned the tie, but Pitt could have, you know said, hey, how the hell with you, we're winning this game, they didn't do it, so, obviously, for Notre Dame, this has national title implications involved, and they just came off a big win against Virginia Tech, and Pitt, you know, so Pitt has that going for them, because Notre Dame is probably, probably amped up after that big win against Tech, but maybe there's a letdown this time. And not to mention Notre Dame has been breaking in a new quarterback the last three weeks, and he's been setting the world on fire ever since. So, your the hope for Pitt is this is the game where the kid fucks up and makes mistakes, throws picks. Our secondary starts reading him, but you know, this is a Brian Kelly offense, so it's a spread, much like uh, North Carolina, much like Central Florida, and not to mention they get some freakishly good athletes, better ones at that. But um, 
Notre Dame has a really good back in Dexter Williams. I mean, he tore up Virginia Tech for over 160 yards. And obviously, he's going to be the one big focal point. You also got Book, the quarterback. He, uh, Notre Dame made a quarterback change, and he's been lighting the world on fire. He's been hitting everything. He's actually completed 73% of his passes since he's since he's in the last three weeks, three games. So he's uh, he's kicking ass. Notre Dame's a top 20 in rushing defense, which doesn't bode well for Pitt because Pitt can't really throw the ball. But with the tight end situation the way it is, I'm sure Pitt's going to throw an extra blocker in. They're going to they're gonna have to throw some sort of wrinkles in to get their, pat, their running game going because Pitt's obviously going to have to control the game with their running game is how it's going to go. That's the only way they're going to match their aim pound for pound is if they get their running game going. If they don't, then it's going to be nothing. Then look for another uh, Central Florida, Penn State type of blowout. Because this Notre Dame team is is, is different, ferocious. I, I wasn't sold on them, but the last few weeks they've just been really turning it up big time. So I'm not really... Uh, I'm not really um, confident about this game. I don't think anybody is. People say anything can happen, but you know what? If you look at the history of the Pitt-Notre Dame rivalry, it's, it's, you know, whatever is likely, likely to happen is likely to happen, and that is Notre Dame being us. The unlikely is usually Pitt winning, pretty much. That's been like that for the last maybe 30 years. You know, unless, uh, you know, unless Charlie Weiss is coaching him, which, you know, we always expect to win because Charlie Weiss, you know, sucked as their, you know, their coach. Although he did beat Dave Wonstead in his first game. And in fact, as Weiss's first two years, he, they were really good, and it's mainly because he had Brady Quinn as his quarterback. You know, Quinn was a really good college QB, and he had tons of talent that uh, Ty Willingham left him. And once all that talent left... He had Jimmy Clausen to break in, and it was all downhill for there. So basically, the chances for Pitt is this: one, you hope Notre Dame has, you know, is, this is their letdown game after you know being so built up and hyped from the Tech win. Two, their quarterback makes a lot of mistakes because Pitt's going to need to do that, and they're going to have to force this guy to make mistakes. Three. Pitt's gonna have to run, you know, establish their running game like they did last week because they had to, they, you know, they won last week the running game against Syracuse, which I won't complain about, but something has to give with the passing game. And when you and when you're losing tight ends, pretty much at the drop of a hat, because they don't like this offense. Well, here you go. I'm not sure how I'm not sure how Taysier Mac be still healthy or not. One thing I would like to see Pitt do possibly is maybe go to a spread, you know, get the, get all those receivers in and spread the ball out and see what happens. Because obviously we don't, you know, we don't have a tight end, so why don't we just throw a bunch of receivers out there? And of course, the running plays, you know, throw those extra blockers in. So I'm sure I'm sure Pitt will figure it out. We hope they're going to have to because it's going to be a long day for them and another embarrassing loss at the helm. Anyways, the rest of the college football weekend. Well, tonight we got uh, South Florida and Tulsa. 
South Florida 5 and 0 and top 25. I mean, Charlie Strong has done a hell of a job with them. Not to mention they have uh, you know the guy at Florida State coached them as well, and they did well there too. But Charlie had them in the AEC title game last year, and they almost they went toe to toe with Central Florida, and almost beat them. But you know, Charlie obviously has found this niche, and plus he's in Florida recruiting, which is which is where he was really good, at, you know, really good at. The guy can't recruit Florida, which is why you know Louisville wanted him so bad, and that's why he was there, and he did pretty well. And you can make the argument that maybe you know that he, you know, the Petrino is obviously piggybacking off of uh, Charlie Strong, and that's why he did so well early on, you know, as Louisville coach. Although you know. For, you know, to be fair, Petrino, he has some really good Louisville teams. It's just that uh, when they joined the Big East, they had to change a lot of things, and they couldn't take the same players they used to take, like like they were in Conference USA. And so things pretty much fell, fell apart under Cragthorpe. So, you know, that's, you know, Charlie's found his niche, and of course... You know, people have been harping on Tom Herman after Strong was gone, and Herman's, you know, after losing to Maryland, he, you know, Herman's been on a tear. Anyways, guys, the rest of the weekend, we got Georgia and LSU. That's a top 15 matchup. Georgia second rank, LSU 13th. Georgia should win this one handily. LSU isn't bad, it's just they're not great. It's their record, you know, as people were hyping them up to be. They're more like a fool's gold at this point, and now that the, now the schedule's getting tougher, you're going to see, uh, you know, LSU lose more games. But they have one hell of a quarterback, though. Washington-Oregon, this will be a hell of a game. Oregon, uh, I feel for Oregon because Stanford's lost their last, Stanford lost, uh, has lost their last two games since that win, and I had Stanford being Utah, but Utah beat the crap out of Stanford. But uh, Oregon has Washington. This will be a tough game. Washington's a top eight team. You know, lots of talk about Washington's defense. And they've won a lot. They've won a lot of close games. But uh, I don't. I like Oregon to come in here and beat the. You know, and actually take out Washington. And it's out of Oregon, so yeah, I like that. Michigan State and Penn State. This game has been a um, actually the Land Grant you know, game has been a really you know really billable game because uh, well ever since D'Antonio came in this the, the series has been a lot more competitive because for a while it was pretty stale. It was more one-sided towards Penn State, but D'Antonio's come in, and of course, they've, they've won their share of games against Penn State. Last year, they, they beat them as well, and, they, and I, I don't get, that's one of those games where Penn State, it was a close game that Penn State lost, and I don't get the logic with Penn State. I mean, they, Franklin does a, you know, does a hell of a job recruiting all his talent, but he seems like they should be winning a lot more these big game these, these type of games than not and you know last year they should have won and they blew that one with some bad play calling and they had McSorley and Saquon Barkley and 
they kept trying to throw the ball in the rain. West Virginia, Iowa State. That should be an interesting one. Iowa State's been uh, been competitive as a recent, and that could be a trap game for West Virginia. And it's at Iowa State. So that's one game to look at for. That's gonna be that may that may be actually a close game. I mean, West Virginia will probably win it, but it's a close game. I think if you're looking for an upset special, you're looking at that one there too. Uh, my, you know, um, Wisconsin, Michigan should be a t- tough game as well. Should be a fun game. Paul Chris, you know, loves loves physicality, loves defense, loves running the ball, and we'll see how tough Michigan is because they've won some games here recently. But this is going to be a big test for them here. I like Wisconsin in this one. I think I think Paul Christ is going to mow through these guys. I could be wrong, but I think he uh, he pulled he, he gets the W in this one. But uh, other than that, there's not really much else to go. There's not not much else to um, go on as far as top twenty five goes. Uh, around the ACC, we got Duke and Georgia Tech. Duke's four and one. They're playing Georgia Tech, and uh, this is gonna be a tough one because Tech's been on a tear. They won their last two, and they just mowed down Louisville. So I don't know. I mean, uh, I like Tech in this one. Louisville, Louisville and Boston College. Louisville has been bad, and I don't see it getting better for them. I see Adazio getting his fifth win, taking BC to five and two. And he, you know, Adazio's done a hell of a just done a hell of a job. I mean, BC's more of a five hundred program. It takes a special coach to you know, like like a, you know. Like they had with, uh, well, yeah, there was Tom Coughlin, and he you know, he did really well with them there. I'm trying to think of the other coach they had. It wasn't uh, it was um, it was before the guy it was before the guy they fired because he interviewed for a job. But um, you know, BC's gonna be your your eight and four at the best program, maybe nine and three. They've you know they've they played for the ACC title before. That was you know when Matt Ryan was there, and that was years and years ago. Miami, Virginia, Miami's sixteenth ranked, and Virginia obviously comes in. They're uh, three and two, but um, if Miami is keeping uh, two as their starter, I obviously like, I like Virginia's chances. But if we're gonna stick with the uh, the hot hand. Because, you know, uh, Mark Rick had to make a choice. And the thing about Tua was, he didn't. He just didn't have it. I mean, you got to have, I mean, he's a senior. You have or you don't. He just wasn't accurate. Can't make reads. So they had to get rid of pull him for the younger guy. And he tore it up. I mean, if, uh, if they weren't making a change of QB, I would say, uh, I would like Virginia's chances. But I think, I mean, it's going to be smooth selling from the here on out for them. And the last game, Virginia Tech and North Carolina. Should be an, this is going to be a fun matchup because, you know, North, well, not really, actually, because North Carolina really isn't that good. We just we just made them look good. They're like 1-3. and three. 
Virginia Tech, obviously, for them, November has come early, unfortunately, because usually what happens is Tech rolls off all these wins. November usually comes when they start playing actual opponents, and of course, they lose. But they've done it early because Old Dominion came in and beat them. And and, it, and what's crazy about that is that it's a 14-year series with them. It's a seven, it's a seven home, seven away series. So, um, what if you know Steve Pearson obviously is in their AD? Who knows with that? Speaking of that, Frank Solich has won 100 games at Ohio U. If you remember Solich, he was kicked out of uh, Nebraska after winning t- 10 games. Granted, Nebraska wasn't really that good. and Still, though, 10 wins is 10 wins. And, of course, you know, Peterson was going to accept mediocrity, and so he booted um, Solich for uh, Dave Callahan because the uh, the search for the new head coach for Nebraska was disastrous to a point where that, you know, that, that, end, that how that ended up. Callahan comes in and tries to retool, you know, a primarily option offense into a West Coast. And it was disastrous for the most part. I think he did have one really good year when he went where they were like nine and four. And then after that the wheels just fell off. And then of course Bo Pelini came in. And Bo made him very Bo made him more respectable. But they never really got over the top, and they went to the Big Ten, and you know, and they were really competitive there. But um, they never really, you know, got to where they, you know, to Nebraska that we knew and loved all so much. You know, it's the same old, same old. And Pliny obviously had an issue with the AD, and you know, he's basically Pliny was more of a mouth breather, and. He ran his mouth a bunch of times, and there was a bunch of recordings, and, well, he lost his job, and now he's at Youngstown State where he's winning, and, of course, you know, he has, a, you know, he, with him and Youngstown State, it's probably the best for him because less politics, he gets to coach, not have to deal with red tape. So good for him. But, um... Nebraska went ahead and pulled in Mike Riley, which was all a disastrous hire. And now Scott Frost is taking the job. And well, Scott Frost is um He's been really bad as of late. I mean personally, I mean for me he just got off a 13-0 season with Central Florida. He's he's living in Orlando. I mean personally for me, if I had to weigh it out. Regardless of who I go with, I'm going to get paid no matter what. But I probably stay in Central Florida because at least I can I can still win games and recruit some really good athletes there. And their stadium's no slouch either. I mean, and their stadium's at least forty, fifty thousand. So, what else do you really need? I mean, but for the case of Scott Frost, he has to go back to his alma mater and coach, and good for him and. Personally, I would have stayed in I would have stayed in Central Florida, enjoy the weather, enjoyed getting paid because I mean maybe it's not gonna be Nebraska money, but it's still gonna it's still gonna be really good money though. 
plus, you know, you're winning. You're, you get the, you got a good, you know, fertile recruiting area where you don't have to, you know, convince kids to, you know, to, to come and come to Lincoln and play. You know, they, you know, all you have to do is show them around our Florida, and then there you go. <clears throat> but um, you know, he's obviously got his work work cut for him. Oh, well, okay. So that wraps up the weekend of college. This you know week of co- weekend of college football come up upcoming. Uh, if you guys can go check out the um, Crowds Line app, bring and predict scores. It's free, and if you finish in a certain place, you get you know an Amazon gift card of certain amounts. I mean, I've won probably I've won by fifty dollars Amazon gift cards this, this year so far. It's been fun. I like it. I mean. I like, to, I like to buy Amazon, so it works out for me. But uh, as we finish up here, uh, stuff to kick around. Obviously, Antonio Brown's being sued because he threw, I guess, uh, furniture off of, off his balcony. And I guess almost hit some almost hit some people below him. One was a kid, and obviously the kid's supposed to be having nightmares of the furniture thrown on him and. I can understand that if it almost hits them. I mean, obviously, kids probably had dealing with a lot of stress from that. I mean, shoot, I would. But uh, that's on the surface. But I mean, I like to see. If, I would like to see if there's any video of this happening. You know, where he threw the furniture and you know where this kid was, all that. I mean, I'm sure when the lawsuit goes, all that will be sorted out. I'm sure there's tons of questions to be asked, but and I'm sure people are gonna say, "Well, you know, it's a dumb law. It's a dumb lawsuit because they're looking for money." And I get that, but if he really was throwing furniture off his balcony, you know, here's the thing: you should be throwing furniture off your balcony, especially if you're living, in, especially if you're in a high rise or some hotel, and there's people below you. You don't, you don't throw furniture. You don't do it. I mean, hell, I remember staying in Ocean City. I knocked over a beer can. It was empty, thank God. It, it was an accident. It didn't hit nobody at all. There was nobody around, but this, but some douchebag came off his, uh, wherever he was sitting, threw it back up. I said, almost hit his girlfriend. And really, there was nobody there. And we just let it go because it was probably some dude drinking and probably just looking, you know, had his beer muscles going. And I don't, I can really care less about fighting at that point. I just want to drink and enjoy the beach. I got another half hour of this crap to go because that's how traffic is here. And it's like, um, well, it's definitely like the pit defense because if it was a pit defense, I'd be blowing right through this thing. Oh, well, guys, anyways, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the weekend. Hella pit. Let's hope something happens. Bye-bye.